Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics. Welcome to the Robots Podcast. I am Jana, and today's episode will focus on two things, robotic rehabilitation and biomimicry design for environmental monitoring. Dr. Lei Kui is a lecturer in mechatronics at the Department of Mechanical Engineering at Curtin University in Australia. His research focuses on developing computational robotics and implementing mechatronic devices. He's working on many exciting and varied projects, including a 3D printable hand ortosis for rehabilitation, an amphibious robot for monitoring the Swan Canning River system, and the fastest untethered robotic fish for river monitoring. Our interviewer Ron spoke to Lay about his work and where he sees its applications in the not-too-distant future. Uh, good morning. We can start firstly by uh, getting you to introduce yourself to the listeners. Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Lei Kui. Uh, I'm a lecturer in mechatronics. Uh, I'm with the Department of Mechanical Engineering and at Curtin University. I joined Curtin uh, about two and a half years ago. Be- before that, uh, I got my PhD from King's College London. I did my first postdoc there. Then I did my first, <clears throat> I did my second postdoc at Carnegie Mellon University. Then I moved to Curtin. That, that's all about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if I can move on to uh, talk about the research that you're doing at uh, Curtin University, I know that there are two facets to your research at the moment. If we can start by uh, talking about the first one, the robot rehabilitation. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> okay. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, I have been working on robot uh, rehabilitation uh, when I was doing my PhD, in fact. So uh, then after I joined Curtin, I decided it's a, it's a good time to pick up this research again uh, because the uh, uh, mechanical engineering department now is shifting its research focus to like uh, uh, rehabilitation and me- medical engineering. So in the last two and a half years, uh, I in fact uh, developed first one is a 3D <coughs> printable uh, hand exoskeleton for, for hand rehabilitation. It's a collaboration between myself and uh, Professor Stilak. <coughs> we, in fact, we, we just uh, patented this finger design like uh, three months ago. So the, the unique feature of this uh, uh, a hand exoskeleton that uh, each finger has three active joints, so three active outputs, but only with one uh, actuation actuator as one input. So uh, it's a quite a novel design, the the first of this kind in the in the world. So basically, it's a, a eight bar ten link a uh, ten joint linkage. I don't know if you are familiar with the concept of a linkage or not. Basically, the rigidly connected bars. Yeah, that, that's it. Then we <clears throat> we applied the same uh with same linkage to all the five fingers. So each finger 
can be actuated by one linear actuator, but has three output joints corresponding to the three joints of uh, each finger. That's what it. The, also, another feature is the whole whole assembly uh, can be printed out. You use a three D printer, so no uh, no uh, assembling work need to be done there. It's just, just uh, it's for mass customization. So uh, that's a general three D printer printing in uh, any kind of polymer plastic. Uh. No, that's not necessarily true. We we need a high precision printer, for example, the one in Stilact Lab. Uh, that one, the the resolution is sixteen microns. So we need that high resolution. <laughs> okay, so it's not a hobbyist. No, no, uh, it's not. Uh, the make boards or any low low level three D printers cannot do, do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. You told us that um, it's at the point of being uh, patented or patented yeah, yeah, already. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are you collaborating with um, any other um, uh, organization? Yeah, now we are working with a company in the US that, that's a spin off from MIT. We are working with them uh, to apply this because they are also developing this hand exoskeleton, but our design uh, is much better than theirs. So we have been talking about how how they they buy our design or we we just put in some collaboration frame there to work with them right okay okay and uh, you also spoke about uh, the second uh, project that you're currently working on yeah uh, an another project is a uh, upper limb as uh, arm for arm rehabilitation this project, uh, I have been working with a professor at Curtin uh, in Health Science School, uh, Gary Allison. So we we have been uh, developing a four-degree freedom uh, and effect type uh, robot for arm rehabilitation. Mainly, we focused on task-oriented training. So in that case, you know, in, in real training, it's ideas from the professor in health, health science school. <laughs> so uh, when, when patients <coughs> do the training, they don't focus on each individual jo joint, in fact, in terms of rehabilitation. Mainly, they focus on the task. For example, they want to move, uh, uh, move their hand from po uh, point A to point B. They, they normally look at the target first, then move their hand from A to B. They don't focus on each individual jo joint. That's idea behind our design. So we we want to, to uh, design this device with a pointer there. So the the, the ideal training would be that the, the user or the patient looks at the target and move to uh, to the target, and uh, the target uh, would have force feedback to test how the the, the patient's performance. Oh, right, so it's a wearable. No, device. it's not a wearable. It's and the effect type. So, which means the patient puts their arm in, uh, on a platform, hold a handle there, and move to like this. Yeah, it's not exoskeleton type. Okay. okay. The primary use for that is to teach stroke victims. Yeah, mainly for stroke patients. Yeah. Uh, and what kind of stage are you at with uh, that process? The, we have developed a prototype, uh, and currently 
I got uh, one PhD student working on this project, but he is only in his first stage. Now we are <coughs> combining the uh, force torque sensing and the EMG sensing to do the patient intention estimation. It's the first step. Yeah, uh, because the previous um, many previous works use predefined trajectory, which means the uh, health a uh, health sub subject first perform the task, then uh, record the trajectory as predefined trajectory. Then try to force or assist the patient to follow the same trajectory. But our idea was to first do the <coughs> uh, patient intention estimation, uh, combining EMG and force sensing. Then we, we don't rely on the predefined trajectory. We want to generate the trajectory on the fly. So this is the first step. Second step would be we will apply adaptive <coughs> impedance control to, to do this assist as needed uh, okay. training. Okay. And thirdly, you are working on a um, multi-platform, three-directional platform, is that correct? Yeah. Uh, yes, three-dimensional platform. That's uh, also a collaboration be between uh, Professor Gary Allison and myself. <clears throat> uh, that's basically this. Uh, uh, that's uh, Professor Gary's idea. He has been working uh, on this uh, this project for many years, <laughs> so it's his project. Uh, uh, what he wanted <clears throat> was a platform that can provide uh, multi-directional perturbations. So this platform is to destabilize the user. The user would be standing on top of the platform, then the platform will move and destabilize it. Then the user has to move uh, it, his or her uh, foot to regain the stability. So that's a, but we need to well controlled uh, multi-directional perturbations. So that's why I developed this uh, three degree freedom uh, this platform. That's and, and what's the end goal of why are you creating it? Oh, that, that's uh, that's uh, uh, Professor Allison. His, his uh, research mainly focuses on how to prevent uh, old people from fall, falling. That's to uh, to to study this uh, uh, human posture and rehabilitation uh, posture and ba balance. So, but to study that. You need to provide well-controlled multi-directional perturbations. I see. So that's a, so so that's why the platform is pretty large, uh, six hundred millimeter in di diameter. You can see one one person uh, with average weight one hundred kilos can be standing on top of the platform comfortably. Also, can uh, shift one foot and regain the balance. Uh, uh, we have provided enough space for that also in enough uh, speed and acceleration. Right. The other area of uh, expertise that you're looking at is the biomimetry. Yeah, could you um, in inform us as to where you are, <laughs> where you're going with that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the biomimetry, in fact, is a fascinating research field. Uh, <clears throat> it's like a, uh, also a quite hot topic. It's a... Uh, the way it is that we, not norm, we, if we take the normal approach, for example, using mathematical modeling or other other methods, to uh, it's very hard 
to realize some functions there. So that's why we take inspiration from nature. That's 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 the idea here because the nature, for example, fish or any other animals, uh, have evolved millions millions of years. So that that's a basic idea there. Biomimicry design. Uh, in this field, in fact, I'm focusing on applying this biomimicry design to uh, river monitoring. That, that's my idea. Mm, because we got, in Perth, we got Swan Canning River. That's, um, I, I would say, the most important re river uh, in Western Australia, in my opinion. <laughs> okay, yeah. <clears throat> uh, the first project um, I, I have been working on is a, a, a what's called amphibious robot. We, we have developed this amphibious robot uh, we uh, took the inspiration from uh, <clears throat> from this uh, <coughs> amphibious uh, centipedes. So, because uh, amphibious centipedes uh, have multiple feet, so th this feet provide uh, both buoyancy and actuation. We took inspiration from that. Then uh, our design was like this: uh, we uh, uh, with this is a, this is a track. Uh, track-driven uh, vehicle, but on each um, piece of the two tracks, we fix this uh, buoyancy blocks. So in that case, this uh, multiple blocks, when the robot is on water, providing uh, buoyancy and actuation, then with when this is on land still, it can effectively uh, drive the robot. Um, and uh, uh, at what stage are you at with that, or is that um, a past? Um... No, it's uh, now we we the the we have finished the first stage. That's mechanical design and empirical study. So uh, the the paper, in fact, now uh, uh, has been accepted by Journal of Mechanical Design, uh, ASME, uh, Journal of Mechanical Design. Now we, <coughs> uh, some of my students are developing autonomous na navigation system. We are using an Android phone as a as a the computer, mm -hmm. then as a, the brain of the robot. This uh, Android phone uh, also provides uh, many sensors, accelerometer, gyro, and a, a video camera. Then this phone uh, interacts with the motor drivers, and the motor drivers drive, drive drives uh, two motors. That's that's just one of the yeah. one yeah, yeah. And another project is a robotic fish okay. oh, yes we've heard a lot about the fish uh, yeah we uh, in fact this robotic fish is uh, quite fast uh, from our uh, test it's the fastest robotic fish in in the world but in terms of body length per, se per second ah right yeah, we we have gained three body length per second in fact and uh, uh a review paper in 2012 uh, mentioned like the, the previous world record only 1.6, 1.6 body length per second. All right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's the first here in Western Australia. Ah, yes, definitely. We we just uh, we haven't published anything yet. We we want to wait until we we collect all the enough data. We we want it accepted in a good journal. So that's why we. <laughs> And um, the uh, propulsion of the fish is that, uh, uh, as as you said, biomimetry. Yeah, that, biomimetry. That uh, using uh, actuators to create the ah, same kind yes, of. Ah, yes, yes. In fact, we uh, 
there is a kind of fish in Canning uh, Swan, Canning River. It's called a uh, bream, quite popular fish in this river. We we totally um, morphing the, this fish. It's a uh, from outlook. If you put this our robotic fish uh, in the river, you would uh, you, you would be very difficult to, to to discern which is a real fish, which is a robotic fish. <laughs> All <laughs> yeah, right. The appearance quite look like the size. And and is the hope to to create it so that it can monitor the schools of fish? Ah uh, yes, as well we, as yeah we. Our idea is like the, so. This you know, uh, submarines or any other underwater robots with uh, uh, with propellers, but propellers quite no noisy. Also, uh, also uh, could uh, agitate the sun sediments uh, in the water bed. Our idea is our fish could mix with the biological fish uh, seamlessly. So because from outlook or the color, we could make it. Uh, look well, real, realistic, yeah. So we hope in the future we 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 can use it to monitor uh, fish population, for for example, uh, in the Swan Canning River. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I take it then you'd be able to amount to sensors on there to take uh, salinity tests. Ah uh, yes, that mm. and every other gamut. Yes, yes. This, this our platform. We are now. Uh, we are studying the actuation of the fish. We hope we can improve the speed for further. <laughs> That's the first task. The second <coughs> task we we are doing is we want to develop some um, electrical field sensing technology for the fish, because this fish is like a, a totally uh, it's untethered, so without uh, it's quite small size, untethered. Uh, it's powered by a battery. Now the battery can last about forty-five minutes, uh, but uh, the fish we need some sensing technology, right? So to make the fish aut autonomous, but uh, computer vision is not an option here. Uh, computer vision is too uh, power consumption uh, too high, too heavy. Where well, the battery will die soon. Also, the CPU for computer vision would be <laughs> the demand will be huge. So now we are developing we. we Took the inspiration from some uh, fish using electrical field to sense their environments. So I got uh, one PhD student and uh, several undergrad students to develop this uh, uh, bio sensing uh, inspired by uh, electrical field. So in that case, we don't need computer vision. Instead, we use electrical field sensing. That's very fascinating. Uh, when I saw that, I was quite taken that um, you were d doing something like that. I haven't read anything <laughs> on that uh, for quite a while. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that, uh, we'd be very interested to find out where that's going and how that's developing yeah. once you um, get, uh, get going on that subject. Thanks. The, the question that we ask everybody is um, basically, where do you think robotics will be, say, in 10 or 20 years from now? Uh, what kind of direction do you think we are um, heading into? Uh, in fact, I think robotics covers a lot of areas, art artificial intelligence, uh, mechanical design, sensing technologies. So many of them, it's a combination all all of them in my opinion now the the current i think it's sensing technology holding back the development of uh, robotics yeah so i would uh, assume 
uh, in the next 10 or 20 years, more people will be focusing on sensing technology than, and in terms of uh, artificial intelligence, okay, uh, I think for example, IBM uh, has built machines to build the, uh, uh, the, build the world chess champions. Uh, in that case, so artificial intelligence to do a single task that could, I mean, I would assume it's quite mature, but uh, for artificial intelligence to do multi multitasking, uh, for example, uh, as this, uh, if you will develop a rob robotic animals or any animals like uh, robotic animals to behave like uh, close to uh, animal in nature, that still takes a long way to go. I would assume fifty to one to one hundred years. <laughs> mm -hmm. we, we've seen obviously we've seen lots of examples, um, which. Asimo comes to mind, yeah. and I know it's it's uh, it has set motion it has set motions has predefined scripts um, to to basically give the um, audience the idea that it is. Yeah, uh, I give just one example. <clears throat> when I was uh, working at the CMU, uh, I, uh, it's a, a DAPA project. It's a dual arm ma manipulation. One of my tasks was to uh, this robot arm holding a key, insert the, the key to a key lock, then, then unlock the door. So that's the, if, uh, for example, from the video, if you only watch the video, you will find out, okay, this robot seems quite intelligent. Okay, it's like, okay, it can feel, can feel it, and can, for example, my approach was uh, using a false talk sensing. Uh, on the wrist of the robot, then to to, to like a two D search to insert the key to the keyhole. It looks intelligent, but in fact, as you said, it's a predefined algorithms. <laughs> yeah, and and that to me that always confuses people and kind of detracts the research where it probably should be aimed. He paints the wrong picture to the public. Yeah, like movies, obviously, like Terminator. That paint the wrong. Yeah, picture. yeah, definitely. Mm. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think Terminator is like a threat two hundred years later, <laughs> at, at least. <laughs> Wrap it up by saying um, thank you very much for giving the time to the podcast, and we hope yeah. to chat with you again uh, in the future. Uh, sure. Thank you. And that's the end of today's episode. As always, you can visit us at robotspodcast.com to find out more about this and all our past episodes. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. And mimicry with robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics.